Greetings to you all this Sunday. I'm Pastor Mary Louise, and I recently retired from Emanuel Lutheran, and I'm moving to Blowing Rock, North Carolina for my retirement. And so I'm glad to have this last opportunity, at least for now, to be able to say thank you to the Shades of Grace family and for the opportunities I've had through Emanuel and through Shades of Grace to be the milk lady here. That has been a joy and an honor, and I am humbled by that. And so I wish you all a blessed and happy new year, and our paths will cross hopefully before too long and in a different way. Happy New Year. Oh, I don't want you to go and leave
Hey friends, it's time now to go to the Lord in prayer. And I would invite you to type into the timeline of today's program, worship service, what your request is. And keep in mind that there will be many, many people from many places uh, viewing this service today. And so if you wish that to remain anonymous or confidential, please keep that in mind. But we do have many, many requests this weekend. And as you know, everything we're doing this weekend has been virtual and remains virtual. I would like to ask you to pray for Miss D and her entire family who has contracted COVID-19 and they were all fully vaccinated. They've been boosted. Miss D, I believe, had COVID sometime last year as well. But we need to remember them, the entire family, everybody in the house is sick with COVID. And we have other members and friends from our congregation, too numerous for me to mention, who are dealing with COVID at this time. So please remember the transmission rate now is probably the highest it's ever been since our epidemic or pandemic began. And so we invite you to please be mindful, wear your mask and socially distance. And that's why we are doing only virtual at this time. I know of about eight congregations that are closed today as well to worship here in our area. So I hope that's giving you time to type in your prayer request and um, we will remember those. And I'd like to invite you now just to join with me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that as you have brought us safely into a new year, the year of 2022, that we will trust you in everything we do, that we will not lean on our own understanding, but then in, in everything we do, that we will trust you. We ask you to bless all who suffer today, bless those who are dealing with losses and death and sadness and sufferings of many, many kinds. And we just ask you to be with us now throughout this time of worship. Bless each one who has typed in a name or a prayer request today. These things we pray in the holy name above all names, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, friends, today is the first Sunday of 2022, and it is the Sunday that traditionally is recognized as the Epiphany of the Lord, Epiphany Sunday. And so in a moment, I'm going to be explaining a little bit of that and just share um, a bit of information with you, much as I did last Sunday. But from Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he'd gathered all of his chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written 
by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, and, thou sh and he shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he said to them, uh, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him or bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. This is reading the first 12 verses of the Christmas story as recorded by Matthew. And I want you to note that in this story of the Epiphany, uh, it talks about the wise men who came from the east. Now, we sing a lot of songs, and we've read stories about the three wise men who were from the Orient, somewhere in the far eastern nations uh, that we may now know as Asia. And yet, uh, the Bible does not say that there were three wise men. It simply tells us that there were three gifts that were described, that is gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which had a special significance in the life of Jesus Christ through his death, through his burial, and his resurrection from the dead. But we never know how many um, wise men or magi there really were who came. So today I want to talk a little bit about the epiphany, the word epiphany, it describes the celebration of God manifesting God's self to humankind. And it is God manifesting God's self as a little baby in Bethlehem, revealing God's self to the world. This holiday that we've just come through and the new year that we have now embarked upon marks the day of the kings who visited Jesus in a house. Notice in this particular story, Jesus the child is no longer in a manger. He's no longer in a place among the animals, but he is now described not as a baby, but as a young child who is in a house. And so we know that some time transpired between the birth of Jesus Christ and the announcement of the angels and the time that the magi or the wise men came bearing gifts to him. Now there are three, or there are several times in the Bible in which we think of an epiphany or we think of a revelation of the Lord. One was upon the baptism of Jesus. I believe one would have been upon his first miracle when the water was turned into wine. 
But on Epiphany, we remember this child who was brought gifts to worship. And there are so many songs and stories and children's Christmas plays that describe this event. But remember, we do not know how many came. More than likely, there was probably a large caravan of people who traveled from the east. It would have not been prudent. It would have not been even practical for only three men to travel those many, many hundreds or thousands of miles due to safety and for economical and financial reasons. So there were probably a large caravan with more than just camels and donkeys, but there were probably a number of persons accompanying them as they came upon this one mission following the star to bring gifts to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. You know, the Bible says that we should hide the word of the Lord in our hearts that we might not sin against God. And up to this time, as we think about the birth of Jesus, the only revelation that people had about the coming of the Messiah at this particular time is the fact that the Old Testament prophets had foretold his coming hundreds of years before it actually occurred. Isaiah the prophet describes him coming up as a shoot out of the dry ground, uh, describing him as having no beauty that anyone should desire him, calling him a suffering servant, a man of sorrows rejected and despised by many. And so they understood the scriptures. Obviously, even though they were from the Orient, they were from a far place, they were probably Gentiles who um, did not truly follow the rules of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the writings of Moses somehow had heard the news from the prophets that a king would be born, and they came to the place called Bethlehem, the house of bread, to worship this baby, this king, who indeed is the king of kings and lord of lords. And so that's just a little bit of history about uh, what this day represents on the Christian calendar as we think about Epiphany, as we think about God revealing God's self to the world in the person of a little baby. You know, in the Old Testament, as we read about God, often uh, we think that people were fearful of God. Uh, they could not enter into God's presence uh, without an introduction or without an invitation and you had to be clearly washed in water and sanctified and following all of the protocol that Moses' law had given the people in order to even approach the presence of the Holy One of Israel. If you remember one time, Moses wanted to see the Lord as he passed by, and the Lord said, you get in that cave in the cleft of the rock, and when I pass by, you'll see the glory of my presence but you cannot see me face to face. From that, we have that beautiful old hymn, He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. And so uh, in the Old Testament, most people did not have an opportunity to know God or to be in the presence of the living God as you and I have been given the privilege today to be in the presence of the living God. 
But God made that all possible when Jesus Christ came into this world, Emmanuel, wrapped in the flesh of a little baby, growing up as a man, very man and very God, made it possible for everything to be broken down, all of the barriers, all of the restrictions, everything that separated God from man has been broken down in Jesus Christ. And now Jesus says, behold, I stand and I knock. And if you will open the door and if you will allow me in, I will come in and I will sup with you and you with me and we will have fellowship together. And you know, one of the beautiful things that I've been meditating on the last couple of days as I thought about this message is that Jesus said, I call you my friend on one condition, and that is if you do the things which I command you to do. And then as we read the commandments, Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the commandments, but to fulfill them and, and to consolidate everything we know about the Old Testament law into two verses. And that is, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And all of your works, all of my works, all of our lives journey will be uh, pointed out to the world as knowing Jesus Christ by the love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. So that's a little bit of what epiphany means as we think about the light of Christ. You know, we still have our Christmas tree lit. We still have our colored lights. Our, our Advent candle is gone, as you can tell. We do have a Christ candle burning in the building. However, it, in just a few more days, or maybe a matter of short weeks for some, all of the Christmas lights will be extinguished for another year. And it's like the scripture says, they who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And that light is Jesus Christ, who came into a darkened world at Bethlehem and to whom the angels came and proclaimed the good news of the epiphany message that God is with us, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, um, let me give you some other thoughts here today. Um, for a lot of you, Christmas has ended. If I could see you, uh, today I'm only speaking to Jimmy and Steve in the building, but if I could see you who are viewing this program today, and I'd like to call it more than a program, I really hope that we see it as a worship service, even though we're not in the building together today. This is a time of worship and proclamation of the good news. But if I could ask you, how many of you have taken down your Christmas tree? How many of you have taken down your lights? How many of you have kind of thought, whew, I'm so glad that's over. Anybody ever feel that way? You know, we build ourselves up to such a level of stress to celebrate Christmas that when the time comes, we're too stressed to be blessed. But I hope today that you have experienced the real purpose of Christmas and that you're still experiencing Christmas. But every year about this time, I like to share a story, and it is written by Howard Thurman, and it's called The Work of Christmas. And um, 
It's, it's simply titled, Now the Work of Christmas Begins. And by the way, Howard Thurman was an African-American theologian, educator, and faithful civil rights leader. So I would encourage you to Google him, look him up, and find out what else he is famous for. But I love this story, and I want to read it for you and then talk about it just a little bit. When the song of the angels is stilled and the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back in their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. So what is the work of Christmas? I ask. Mr. Thurman continues to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, and to make music in the heart. That's really what Christmas is all about. It's not about the amount of money that one can spend going into debt to purchase gifts for people they hardly know, uh, giving them things that they don't really want. And, uh, you know, it just becomes a mad, a madhouse. And so we understand as we celebrate Christmas each year that it's not about the receiving from others, but it's about giving to others. For Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we cannot give to others unless we do receive from our Lord. So God imparts it to us into our human hearts that we might be blessed to be a blessing to all the people around us. And so let's think about the works of Christmas when the shepherds have gone back to the fields, when the angels are no longer singing joy to the world, and when the kings are gone back to the palace and the wise men have gone back to the east and all the gifts have been given and all the boxes and bows put away for another season, then our work begins to find the lost. You know, Jesus describes himself as the great shepherd, uh, the chief shepherd of our life. And I've told you before, Jesus not only came to Bethlehem as the Lamb of God, but he grew to become the great shepherd of God. So he fulfilled that role of shepherd and sheep all in one. Only God can do things like that. But Jesus describes many of his parables uh, about finding lost things. He talks about lost sheep. He talks about the woman sweeping the floor until she finds one lost penny that she needs desperately. He talks about, you know, the lost son or the prodigal son uh, in that story of where the young man comes to his senses in the pig pen in a far country and comes back to God. You know, I received a wonderful blessing on uh, the Christmas night. It happened just about midnight. I didn't find it until the day after Christmas, but it was an email. It was sent as a Christmas email from a young lady that has spent many, 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 many days here at Shades of Grace. 
She was a regular person here. She, we had done so much for her and with her, and she was an addict. I won't call her name. I can if you ask me privately. But she sent me that text, and I've not heard from her in probably, what, Steve, three years or more? And um, out of the blue, I get this text, and I paraphrase. It says something to the effect, thanks to God, thanks to your storefront church, Shades of Grace, I am no longer addicted. I am clean from meth. I am serving the Lord. I'm attending a church, and I owe it all to God and to Shades of Grace. And of course, with all the pandemic and the shutdown and all the things that have happened in the last couple of years, we tend often to wonder about these persons whom we've met and whom we haven't seen. But be assured, when you're looking for the lost, uh, it will pay off. We have to just go out and be a friend to the lost. You know, people can be lost in so many, many ways. The young man, the prodigal son, was lost in his own ambition to live it up and, uh, you know, to inherit everything and just be all that he could be, only to understand that life doesn't consist with the abundance of the things that we can hold in our hand or the money that we can count in our checkbook. The work of finding the lost is freely available. It's everywhere. Jesus said, look upon the fields, for they're white unto harvest. And yet the laborers are few to be found. He said, you pray. Now what you can do to help find the lost, if you're unable to get out due to the pandemic, or maybe you can't leave home, or you just can't do a lot of things that some people do, you can pray, first of all. You can support your local church. You can support ministries that do reach out to the lost. Because I promise you, one is planting a seed, one will water the plant that comes up, but only God is able to bring the increase in bringing the lost sheep home to him. And so we can be a part of the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom of God near and helping find all those who are lost. There's so many people in the world who feel lost because, to be honest, some have been rejected even from the church. Some have been turned away from family. Some have just lost their way in life. It doesn't matter. When you're lost, you're lost. You can't put degrees upon that. You can't put labels upon that. Either we are blind or else we see. Either we are lost or yet we are found. Now, there are many people that we may look at in life that we think in the natural mind of looking at it that they're lost. But it may be that they're seeking, they're seekers, and they may be closer to the kingdom of God than you realize, and you can't judge that. Don't ever put a label of lostness upon someone who does not first put that label upon himself or herself because we can't see what is in the heart. So the work of Christmas begins with finding the lost. And then the next step is to heal the broken. You know, we think about broken people as being grieving over the losses of loved ones. But there are people who are broken because they've had to go bankrupt. They've lost everything. Maybe 
their house has burned down. Maybe someone stole from them. You don't know. There are many, many ways that people become broken in life, not only physically, not only financially, but emotionally. We meet so many people here, and I would not mention names once again because there are many, but we think of one particular person who uh, there's no way that we could ever judge what's in that person's heart. But one thing we can all say that this person's life and mind and soul is broken and needs the light of Christmas. It needs the light of the Lord, the grace of God. And sometimes it's just the fact that we are kind to people, that we're good to people. Uh, that means, you know, we just do what is right even if we get tired of doing what is right because that's what God blesses. And the scripture says the goodness of God leads people to repentance. So let's just do the work of Christmas of finding the lost and healing up the brokenhearted and helping those who cannot help themselves. Then we are to continue to heal uh, not only heal the broken, but to feed the hungry. And we seek to do that every day here at Shades of Grace, with the exception of uh, sometimes two days on the weekend. We now, uh, we definitely do the meals five days a week, and no one leaves our doors who are in need or who is in need and who is hungry. Uh, we will always have something to give to someone because I certainly would not want to be uh, standing someday and hear Jesus say, you know, I came to Shades of Grace one day and I was hungry and you turned me away and told me there was nothing available. And Jesus might say, you know, that was me. So we feed the hungry. We release the prisoner. Now, I wouldn't recommend that. It's called jailbreak. I wouldn't recommend... Uh, releasing the people out of prison until the proper procedures are done. But we understand what the prophet meant and we know what the Bible means, that we help the, those who are in prison. We don't forget those because Jesus said in that day of judgment, you visited me when I was in prison. And they said, Lord, when did we come to see you in prison? And he said, as you did to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. And so we have a ministry here. It's a prison release ministry. And when the uh, people from a prison or a correctional facility give us a voucher or call us, we give a brand new backpack completely with a wardrobe from shoes up for everything a person will need. We assist them with birth certificates and other things, give them an address to receive mail and offer them things that they need to get on their feet. And that's how we are bringing release to the prisoners in our world at Shades of Grace. But you can do that too in your own situation, wherever you are. Maybe you can start some kind of a ministry to those who are behind bars or to the children or to the families of inmates who are missing their loved ones this time. And then it says, we continue the work of Christmas to rebuild the nations. But we have to begin in our own heart and in our own house and in our own church. You know, the scripture says in the New Testament, how can a man rule the house of God 
if he cannot rule his own household, if he cannot take care of his own family, then how can he take care of any other family of God or anybody else? So all of us have work to do on rebuilding our own lives, our own families, our own communities, our own congregations. And as we begin to do that and reach out into the world, we begin to rebuild the nations because the love of God can spread like wildfire. And we, you know, we're doing that in Nigeria through Shades of Grace International. And we're beginning an elementary school called Shades of Grace School. And we're gonna be reaching out to children, grades one through six, who are in the streets, who are orphans, who are victims of homicide and genocide and have sometimes lost all family members and they're just at the mercy of the gangs in the streets. And so those are the ones we're reaching out to. And then we tell the stories of those wells that we have sponsored digging in Nigeria, the boreholes. And you can see that uh, video in our archives, and maybe you have seen it, of the young college students, the law students, who in the village where we dug the three wells in one, and uh, they, the young people came running with their buckets to gather fresh water, which they'd never had before. And these are young people, the brightest and smartest of that country, studying all the legal processes of their land, trying to make it a better country and to rebuild it into a better place. And I remember that one beautiful young lady as she ran with her bucket, she put her hands under the running water and she said, now we can wash our hands. And this was in the very midst of a pandemic that we began this international ministry. So we're trying to rebuild nations of the world one at a time. We're getting ready the Shades of Grace ministry in Nigeria to reach out into four neighboring African countries at this time with the gospel and with the people who are already there doing the work of Christmas. And then I'm about to wind this part up. I have two more works of Christmas. One is to make peace or to bring peace among the people. And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's really difficult to do. But Jesus pronounced a blessing upon the peacemaker and he should be called the child of God. Now I've told you this before and I remind us again, the Bible says seek peace, pursue peace, and then possess peace. It's, it's hard work being a peacemaker, but the Bible says be at peace with all people wherein it is possible. And then the final work of Christmas is to make music in the heart. We can all do that. We might not be able to play the piano like Landon. We not be able to play the guitar like our band. We not, may not be able to play a trumpet like Dr. Smitty or anything, you know, a tambourine or an accordion or any of the musical instruments. But we could all pick up two sticks and beat on the bottom of a tub, right? And that's making a joyful noise. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, all ye people, for God inhabits praise. Make music in the heart. Music is healing. Music brings hope. Music brings peace to our lives. I'm going to conclude my message today with um, a bit of wisdom from the late Desmond Tutu, as you know, 
the world lost him in the last week, a great theologian, a great scholar, a great peacemaker, a great peace lover in South Africa and around the world. And I just want to share some things that I found. Pastor Michelle actually gave this to me, and uh, you may be hearing this again, but it's Desmond Tutu's legacy of insightful wisdom. Forgiving does not mean that something did not happen. It does not mean that someone did not do wrong or you or someone else is not responsible. Forgiving is not forgetting, actually remembering. Remembering and not using your right to hit back. In other words, giving up your right to settle the matter. It's a second chance for a new beginning. And that's what I'm trying to say on this Sunday of Epiphany, this first Sunday of the year 2022, a new beginning. And the remembering part is really important, especially if you don't want to repeat what happened. Now listen to what else he says. Every person you encounter carries a sorrow and a struggle. Let me say that again. Every person you encounter carries a sorrow and a struggle. And I pray that as this new year begins, that each of us who work at Shades of Grace, who volunteer, who pray with folks, I hope that we can never lose sight that whoever comes to our doors has probably more than their share of sorrow and struggle. Desmond Tutu continues to say, in our own ways, we are all broken. Out of that brokenness, we hurt others. Forgiveness is the journey we take toward healing the broken parts. It's how we become whole again. If you're filled with negative judgment and anger, which is really just another term for unforgiveness, then you will feel separate from other people. You'll feel lonely. But if you have an open heart and are filled with trust and friendship, even if you're physically alone, even living a hermit's life, you'll never really feel lonely. He says transformation begins in you. Remember we sing that old song sometimes, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So it begins in our heart. The work of Christmas begins right here in my heart. I cannot ask you or expect you to do something that I would not be willing to do or at least consider. Wherever you are, whatever has happened, however you are suffering, it's got to begin in you. But it's always possible. We do not heal in isolation. When we reach out and connect with one another, when we tell our story, when we name the hurt, grant forgiveness, and renew or release the relationship, then our suffering begins to transform. In other words, our grieving heart begins to heal. Then he says we're not responsible for what breaks us, but we can be responsible for what puts us back together again. Naming the hurt is how we begin to repair our broken parts. Cultivate your forgiveness 
with your friends, with your family, with strangers, and with yourself. And then finally, the words of wisdom from Dr. Tutu's legacy. Forgiveness is nothing less than the way we heal the world. That's how we rebuild the nations, by the way. We heal the world by healing each other and every one of our hearts. The process is simple, but it is not easy. I hope you've learned something today. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been challenged with this message on this first Sunday of 2022. Can I pray with you today, dear friends? And if you have a special need for uh, knowing Jesus Christ or walking closer with the Lord, or, you know, you may live somewhere in our immediate area and you've never been baptized and you're a part of our online virtual congregation, we're going to pretty soon be able to go outside in the fresh air and socially distance and do some baptisms out there. If you're interested in that, let me know. And we'll take the next few months praying about it, talking about it, and preparing our hearts for this wonderful time that helps to transform us and help us to continue growing in the works of Christmas. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, you see the hearts of every person who is participating in this virtual service today. I ask that you would touch each one in a special way. I pray that you would take my feeble message the mess that I sometimes offer and deliver it as a beautiful message transformed by the presence of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, take the test of every one of us and make it into a wonderful testimony of your loving grace and witness to our Christian faith. Bless everyone today, forgive us of our sins, and help us to walk closely to you, Lord Jesus, as we now begin and continue the works of Christmas every day of our life. These things we pray in the name of the Christ of Christmas. Everybody says, amen. God bless you, dear friends.